Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. This week on Viewpoints. We've also seen kids being intubated in the ICU, having to go on to ventilators, having to have significant increases in support. We speak with a pediatric doctor about keeping kids healthy this fall. Then... I can understand the frustration of both researchers as well as patients and caregivers that there have been all these failures. I'm frustrated too. The difficult task of finding answers for Alzheimer's. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. I struggled with symptoms like frequent gas and stomach pain for years. I was bloated all the time with daily diarrhea. At first, I thought it was what I was eating. I kept thinking it was stomach issues. So I did my research and talked to my doctor, and we finally uncovered the truth. It It was was actually EPI. Exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or EPI, is a condition where your pancreas is unable to help break down your food. It can lead to symptoms like diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, unexplained weight loss, and oily stools. And EPI symptoms can be confused with those of other common digestive conditions, like irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's, and celiac disease. So getting to the right diagnosis meant being more open with my doctor about the severity of my symptoms and how often they were happening. But there's good news. EPI is manageable, so don't wait any longer. Use the symptom checker at identifyepi.com and schedule a visit or call with your doctor to ask, Could Could I I have have EPI? EPI? Sponsored by AbbVie. After a scorching summer, fall is finally here, and with the chillier temperatures comes pumpkin picking, trick-or-treating, and more indoor gatherings. Some people are already thinking about Thanksgiving plans and wondering what the holidays will look like as the pandemic lingers on. So far, more than 182 million people have been fully vaccinated, making up for 55% of the total American population, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Despite this number, the highly contagious Delta variant is still wreaking havoc across the U.S., leading to an increase in hospitalizations and more children coming down with COVID. For the parents of these young children, the fear and uncertainty we've faced over the last year and a half is still very much present. With new vaccine data coming out, the hope is that kids between 5 and 11 years old will be eligible to get both shots by the end of the year. But before then, The routines of life must go on, and across the country, there's been a bigger focus on maintaining adolescent mental health and keeping learning disruptions as minimal as possible after the learning lag of last school year. I think it's, you know, a different picture this year because everyone's trying to balance the importance of being back in school and having kids have some sense of normal in the middle of this but also really wanting to protect them. When we first went into the quarantine and we everyone was homeschooling, 
the thought was it was going to be such a short-lived thing that people really didn't have all the considerations of the long-term effects on socialization and academics and mental health. And now that we're over a year into this, those things are really important to focus on as well. That's Dr. Jenna Wheeler, a pediatric critical care physician at the Arnold Palmer Children's Hospital in Orlando, Florida. Over the summer, she's seen a visible increase in pediatric COVID cases at her hospital. It was something that we worried about definitely since the very beginning of the pandemic, but more notably in the past few months, the numbers have gone up, both in the pediatric world and then also in with the adult admissions here in Florida. We've also seen kids being intubated in the ICU, having to go on to ventilators, having to have significant increases in support, and we've even seen a couple deaths which is something very concerning with this variant. And I know my friends who are in outpatient pediatric medicine, they've seen a very significant increase just in kids coming in and being positive with COVID. So what can parents do to keep their unvaccinated kids away from the emergency room? It may feel tiring and cumbersome at this point, but it's all of the same precautions we've heard time and time again. Wearing a mask, social distancing, staying home if you feel sick, and getting vaccinated, if eligible, to reduce the risk of transmission. The recommendation, first and foremost, recommending that anyone who is eligible to get vaccinated would get vaccinated. The people that are all going to be gathering, those who have that available to them really should because it's trying to protect everybody as a community and it protects our younger children as well. And as we head into the holiday season filled with more indoor gatherings and possible travel, Wheeler says it's great to celebrate and reconnect with loved ones, but don't completely let down your guard. Just really paying attention to the environment in which you're in, you know, maybe avoiding some of the bigger spaces that people would often go to when they're traveling. And same things of, you know, washing your hands and taking those precautions since, you know, when you're traveling, you're not sure who you come in, you're coming in contact with and if those people might be sick. Just really kind of maybe taking some trips that aren't quite so heavy with people. If you're staying in hotels, places like that, just make sure that the hotels and Airbnbs, places like that, just have good policies in place as far as how they're turning over the rooms, cleaning the rooms, and just making sure that it's going to be the safest environment for your family. As far as holidays and trick-or-treating, every family really has to make a decision for themselves and to decide what's best for their child, for their family. You know, they certainly want to get together with grandparents and family members and things like that. But I think the most important thing is just to be cautious, to make sure you know, just like we're doing for school, if you have any cough or cold symptoms, if you have a fever, if you have what you might think are allergies, give it a day or so. Don't take the risk. No one wants to be at a family event and then, you know, find out later that they may have exposed someone to a virus. And so just really being cautious and taking a few more precautions than we may have in the past. Compared to last holiday season, it's more accessible now to get a quick COVID PCR or rapid test at a pharmacy or immediate care center if you're worried you may be positive. There are also clinics and organizations that are offering discounted or free COVID testing in many communities. Wheeler says it doesn't hurt to do a quick Google search and see if there's a place nearby that can fit you in. In the end, the main advice is that it doesn't hurt to be overly cautious, because the reality is that we are still living through a pandemic. I think that in the past, we wouldn't hesitate to show up with a little bit of a cold to a family gathering. And now I think it's really important for everyone to really look at their own health and say, you know what, this year, it may not be COVID because there's lots of non-COVID things going around too. But say, I don't want to take a chance. I'm feeling a little under the weather. You know, I've had a sore throat. I've been coughing. I'm just going to stay home this year because I really want to protect everyone around me. 
It's also important to not forget about the flu shot this fall. Experts are already warning that this year's flu season may be worse since more people are back to mingling, wearing masks less often, and last year's flu season was especially mild. In addition to an annual flu shot, Protecting against the virus means practicing good hygiene. The same things that are going to help with COVID of washing your hands, of taking the precautions of staying away from people who are sick, monitoring your health, monitoring for fever, those kind of things are all going to protect against you know COVID and the flu and RSV and, and all of those viruses. And so I think we just need to remind ourselves to be diligent. I think at the beginning of the pandemic, everyone was very diligent of always washing their hands, not touching their face those type of things, and we've maybe slacked off a little bit, and as we approach flu season and other respiratory virus season, just to remember the basics of hand washing and hygiene and that really go a long way as well. As a pediatrician, Wheeler notes that over the last 19 months, she's seen many people not booking primary care visits and foregoing yearly physicals and immunizations. On top of maintaining good hygiene and being cognizant about COVID, she emphasizes that it's as important as ever to go in for needed checkups. Talking to the community, seeing kids coming into the hospital, there's a lot more kids who are delayed in their vaccines. They haven't seen their primary care physician recently. You know, people are afraid to go in, and so they put off that well care and preventative medicine because they say, well, my child's healthy. The last thing I want is them to go to the doctor and get sick and that's where we just really encourage them to follow up with their pediatrician. We've been doing this for so long now that there's such good protocols in place that really encouraging people to continue to go to their primary care physician to get the checkups that they need to get, to get the vaccines that are being recommended. I know people are often hesitant to go into a doctor's office because they don't want to get sick by going to a doctor. And just to really encourage them that that well care and, and keeping up with their health is so important and going to the doctor shouldn't be skipped and avoided, especially as we're going into flu season and with COVID and the Delta variant continuing. Wheeler reiterates that as soon as you're eligible to get a COVID vaccine or the booster shot, do so. It's the number one line of defense against this deadly virus. If you're a parent, it's reasonable to be nervous or stressed about giving your child a newer vaccine, but the risks of the shot are minimal compared to getting COVID. We've seen a very low number of any symptoms or side effects to the vaccine. The most common side effects really are soreness at the injection site, kids feeling a little bit of fatigue, maybe getting a low-grade fever, you know, kind of some symptoms of the inflammatory response that the vaccine is causing as it's helping your body to protect against it. The side effect profile is so rare. It is out there. I won't say that it's not, but it's very rare. Any kids that we're seeing coming in with any side effects of vaccine have all been discharged from the hospital. They've done very well. No lasting effects. Just some kind of treatment and monitoring in the middle. Hopefully by next autumn, the COVID-19 pandemic will be just an afterthought. Let's hope. To find out more about this topic and our guest, Dr. Jenna Wheeler, visit viewpointsradio.org. Head to cdc.gov coronavirus for the latest safety recommendations and resources. You can also get more behind the scenes for Viewpoints by searching Viewpoints Radio on Twitter and Facebook. This segment was written by Amira Zaveri. I'm Gary Price. Coming up, there's a lot we still don't know about Alzheimer's when Viewpoints returns.
Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control of your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank accounts, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problem now by calling the experts at U.S. Tax Shield and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new law that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. U.S. Tax Shield offers a price protection guaranteed quote to get you protected today. U.S. Tax Shield is A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, so call now, 800-568-1647. That's 800-568-1647. U.S. Tax Shield, 800-568-1647. Progressive's Home and Auto Bundle Extrava Festa Saifathon, the annual year-long event for saving big on home and auto insurance. These savings are available up until and straight through Labor Day, Halloween, Clover Cleveland's birthday, Taco Tuesday, the anniversary of the moon landing, White Chocolate Day. The sale literally never ends. You can come on Jupiter's Ascension, National Pisces Day, but not Leap Day. (laughs) Just kidding. We're doing Leap Day because every day is perfect for saving money with a home and auto bundle only at Progressive. But for real, we're not doing White Chocolate Day because white chocolate is gross. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. With confusion around vaccinations, masks, and public screenings, it's important to know the symptoms of COVID and its variants. Fever is the leading sign, so make sure you use an accurate thermometer for your family. Only the Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer has been proven accurate. With more than 100 clinical studies, non-contact thermometers have no clinical evidence behind them and cannot be relied on. Be vigilant and be accurate with Exergen. Learn more at exergen.com. Exergen is changing the way the world takes temperature. Alzheimer's disease is the sixth leading cause of death in our country. In 2019, more than 121,000 Americans died from the neurological disease, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. For several decades, scientists have been puzzled by its origins and debilitating effects. In fact, the first described case was more than 100 years ago, in 1906, by German psychiatrist Alois Alzheimer. For years, he studied a 50-year-old female patient who was suffering from paranoia, confusion, and memory loss, symptoms that we would describe today as dementia. While scientists have grasped a basic understanding of Alzheimer's disease, the most common type of dementia, many believe we've barely scratched the surface. Alzheimer's disease affects the most complicated organ of the body, the brain. We know a lot about the brain, but there's a lot that we don't know about the brain. We're struggling to learn how the brain functions. Our sensations, our impressions of ourselves, our personalities, our thoughts, our memories, consciousness itself, it's all dependent on the brain. And yet we know very little about the mechanisms of the brain that support these functions. That's Dr. Robert Vassar the Scientific Director of Behavioral Neurology at Northwestern University's Feinberg School of Medicine. He's also the director of the university's Alzheimer's Disease Research Center within the Meselem Center for Cognitive Neurology and Alzheimer's Disease. 
Vassar believes there have been a lot of failures in clinical trials because scientists were treating at the wrong stage of the disease. Once symptoms take over, memory symptoms and dementia, there is a substantial amount of damage to the brain, loss of neurons and brain atrophy, particularly in regions of the brain that are important for memory, like the hippocampus. Now, once the neurons die, they can't come back. And so once they're gone, they're gone for good. And that's a problem for people that are already diagnosed. They already have damage, ongoing damage to the brain. But recent technological advances now allow researchers to detect Alzheimer's disease earlier and explore the role of preventative treatment in clinical trial patients. We've learned slowly that Alzheimer's disease takes many decades to manifest itself. And there's a very long period of time, maybe 10, 20, or 30 years, where the disease is brewing in the brain and yet there are absolutely no symptoms. And the people having this going on in their brains are on the road to Alzheimer's, but they don't know it. We really didn't understand that because in the past, the only way we could study Alzheimer's disease in people would be at the end of their lives after they passed away and we were permitted to do a brain autopsy. Now, in the last 10 years or so, We've had some very interesting developments in brain scanning. We are now able to scan the brains of living patients and see these pathologies, the amyloid pathology, occurring over time in living individuals. The idea that amyloid plaques building up in the brain may be a root cause of Alzheimer's is called the amyloid cascade hypothesis. But while this theory has been widely accepted for decades, there's been a great deal of controversy because it's led to a lot of dead ends in large-scale research and clinical trials. Attempts to treat Alzheimer's by going after the plaque buildup just hasn't consistently worked in patients so far. I can understand the frustration of both you know, researchers as well as patients and caregivers that there have been all these failures. I'm frustrated too. But I think the point is that we shouldn't now throw the baby out with the bathwater because, I mean, these are very well-developed amyloid drugs that really engage the target and remove amyloid from the brain. They do their job very well. We just need to know the appropriate stage of disease at which individuals can be treated. And so my argument would be go well before there are symptoms and before there's damage to the brain. Dr. Carl Harrop is on the other side of the debate over amyloid and how Alzheimer's research has been tackled over the last few decades. Harrop is a professor of neurobiology and an investigator in the Alzheimer's Disease Research Center at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. My estimation is that we know virtually nothing about what causes Alzheimer's disease. So I think we stopped listening to our own data. We kept hoping that we could just ignore all the inconsistencies and keep plowing ahead because the enthusiasm was so high. But if we really look at the data, we have yet to create a mouse that gets anything resembling human Alzheimer's disease, and that's a big problem for us because it cuts the knees out from under any attempt, any experimental attempt to try and find a treatment, a therapy, a cure 
But I think concurrent with that, the rush to publish and the failure really to listen to our own data, I think concurrent with that is we actually distorted the definition of Alzheimer's disease in a way that rendered it close to meaningless. Harrop argues that another problem in the field is the expanded definition of Alzheimer's. He says the requirement that there must be amyloid deposits in the brain is throwing scientists off. Instead, there needs to be a bigger push to investigate other potential causes for the disease. I quote an advisor on one of our external advisory boards who simply said quite flatly that if you aren't studying amyloid, you aren't studying Alzheimer's. And not only is that wrong on its face, it is symptomatic of a psychology that requires not only that you promote the use of anti-amyloid therapies, but that you actively suppress investigation into other potential causes of the disease. I think the tide is turning, and we're beginning to look at other factors like inflammation, like vascular problems, and myelination, and we're beginning to see the problem of late-life dementia in a more holistic concept that includes the biology of aging and the incredible heterogeneity and variability from person to person. Vassar says it's fair to target other theories and try varying treatments based on different stages of the disease. Inflammation, for example, is one aspect of Alzheimer's that shows promise due to the recent discovery of a mutation in a gene called TREM2. This gene is expressed in special immune cells in the brain called microglia. What occurs is that the microglia surround the amyloid plaques and they react to it. And this reaction is what they're trying to do is remove it, remove the amyloid from the brain and get rid of it because they recognize it as a foreign body. But in the process, they're not able to really get rid of it because the amyloid is so indigestible for them. And what they are doing is also producing a lot of inflammatory molecules. And as we know from inflammation throughout the body, inflammation causes pain. It's, it's important for healing, but chronic inflammation can produce damage to tissues. And that is exactly what seems to be happening in the Alzheimer brain. While the debate over Alzheimer's research rages on, every 65 seconds, one more person is diagnosed with a disease in the U.S. alone. Right now, six million Americans are living with Alzheimer's, and this number is set to double over the next 30 years as the population skews older. The progress being made today to examine other causes and focus more on preventative treatment will hopefully save millions to come. To learn more about Alzheimer's disease and research, as well as our guests, Dr. Robert Vassar and Dr. Carl Harrop, head to viewpointsradio.org. Also, check out Dr. Harrop's book, How Not to Study a Disease, The Story of Alzheimer's, available online and in bookstores now. For more behind the scenes, search Viewpoints Radio on Twitter and Facebook. This segment was written by Amira Zaveri, studio production by Jason Dickey. I'm Marty Peterson. Viewpoints returns in just a moment. What are you going to do with your old car? You can try selling it, you could junk it, 
or you can donate it to Heritage for the Blind. Your car will be towed away for free, and your donation is tax-deductible. Just call 1-800-835-1478. Heritage for the Blind accepts cars, vans, trucks, and boats. It doesn't matter if your vehicle runs or not. It will be towed away for free, and you'll be supporting those that need help. Heritage for the Blind is a nonprofit organization that helps the visually impaired live fuller lives. Call right now to donate your car, and as a special thank you, you'll receive a free three-day vacation voucher to over 50 locations. Call Heritage for the Blind right now. Call 1-800-835-1478. Donating is easy, and your vehicle is towed away for free. Plus, you'll get a free vacation voucher for donating. Call now, 1-800-835-1478. That's 1-800-835-1478. Welcome to Culture Crash, where we examine what's new and old in entertainment. Now that it's October, it's that time of year when so many of us look for some Halloween-themed thrills and get into that spooky autumn vibe that the internet loves so much. While I found the WB horror film Malignant, which is streaming on HBO Max through October 10th, To be a huge disappointment, the service does have some other familiar titles that may be worth checking out or revisiting. The Scream franchise was a pop culture sensation in the 1990s, but as a child of the 90s, I had never seen them until recently. Though the series does offer diminishing returns as it goes and has little to say in Scream 3, I still found myself to be blown away by the first two films, especially the original Scream. Something of a meta-commentary on horror movies from a master of the genre in Wes Craven, Scream sees a group of high schoolers hoping to avoid being killed by a masked murderer, while also deconstructing the horror genre and providing some laughs along the way. Funny enough to be considered a comedy and scary enough to be a horror film, Scream truly looks at what makes audiences crave horror films in the first place, as well as what role violent entertainment plays in America, and more. Additionally, I found it to be the rare high school horror movie that really seems to understand what being in high school is like. Scream isn't sanitized like a Disney film would be, but it also doesn't treat its characters like full-grown adults. They stay on the phone a little too long. They express feelings they may not fully understand, and the characters feel very real. Often, a 20-30 to year old franchise will feel dated, but the original Scream felt like it could have come out last week, and I found a lot to enjoy in the popcorn thrills of the 1990s. Scream, Scream 2, and if you're willing to push your luck, Scream 3, are now streaming on HBO Max. I'm Evan Rook. I struggled with symptoms like frequent gas and stomach pain for years. I was bloated all the time with daily diarrhea. At first, I thought it was what I was eating. I kept thinking it was stomach issues. So I did my research and talked to my doctor, and we finally uncovered the truth. It was actually EPI. Exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or EPI, is a condition where your pancreas is unable to help break down your food. 
It can lead to symptoms like diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, unexplained weight loss, and oily stools. And EPI symptoms can be confused with those of other common digestive conditions like irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's, and celiac disease. So getting to the right diagnosis meant being more open with my doctor about the severity of my symptoms and how often they were happening. But there's good news. EPI is manageable, so don't wait any longer. Use the symptom checker at identifyepi.com and schedule a visit or call with your doctor to ask, Could Could I I have have EPI? EPI? Sponsored by AbbVie. That's Viewpoints for this week. Viewpoints is a production of MediaTrax Communications. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more about upcoming shows. And find a library of past programs on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and more information about our guests at viewpointsradio.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Viewpoints. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.